Hey everybody, it's Travis from The Berm Show. There's a brand new app called Lower 22 Vets for veterans and active duty military members. This app combats suicide amongst veterans by bringing veterans together. So please go check it out. Sign up is free and it's easy and there's monthly giveaways. You can find the app on Google Play and Apple Store. So sign up now. Thank you. How are you? How are things going on your end over there? <laughs> yeah, I'm able to sleep in today. Um, my, my parents have had, well, parents and my family have had my kids for a week. I needed a break to like oh, reset, nice. you know? So I was like, so now I feel like that's nice. You know, I'm looking forward to having them back and <laughs> I feel a little bit more grounded. <laughs> How old are uh, your kids? Um, 13 and 8. Oh, so yeah, it's pretty easy to drop them off then. It's like, all right, get yeah. out of here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Two daughters. So. Oh, gosh, two daughters. Yeah, we have a, a three-year-old son who's going to be four next month, and our daughter's going to be one also next month. So it's been... Oh, happy birthday to them. I'm an yeah. <laughs> It's crazy, right? Like, we got kind of nervous with um with our daughter because we're like, oh, my gosh, she's starting to kind of come on on like to his birthday they're 10 days apart their birthday so it's like uh, they're like irish twins yeah <laughs> yeah we're freaking out we're like oh gosh she needs to come out like today <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah, i get what you mean it's it's good to have a break occasionally it's probably why i'm tired i try to sleep i did sleep in today and i kind of regret it now yeah they're full of energy but, um, well, I slept in till I say eight, but I kind of like lollygagged around until probably an hour ago. <laughs> I was like scrolling through Facebook, cleaning out my email. <laughs> that kind of yeah, that's that's kind of what I did for like the last 30 minutes in bed. I was just like, okay, my wife's out there with the kids and then I miss around on my phone for a little bit. Exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm happy to have you on. Um, happy to be here. Yeah, super excited. Uh, haven't had too many... Or actually, you're the second woman I've had on that's a veteran. Um, I saw that. I, I watched the first interview or the first lady. Um, yeah, so it's yeah. it's a cool perspective to have because it's, um, I guess, something I've never really thought of myself. You know, I guess it, usually it just maybe that's just kind of being naive or whatever it is. But usually, just um, you know, everybody just talks about the veteran as as one person. But yeah, there's different layers within that yeah. community as well. So exactly. Um, I love you get... yourself on that. I mean, it's just, you know what you know, right? And so it's, I think it's just by default, same thing with me. So, mm -hmm. yeah. So, um, yeah, okay, I want to get to know you a little bit, what, what you did in the military, what branch and, you know, sure. how long you were in and stuff like that. Um, so um, I was in the Air Force uh, for eight years total. I was active duty about six and a half, just under seven years. Um, I joined in 2007 and I got completely out, uh, in 2015. Um, I did communications in the air force, which is pretty broad. Um, but to give that a little specific specificity, um, I did a lot of, um, client support, like, you know, technical hardware, software stuff. Um, and then at that time, our career field also included, um, like records management and administrative as well. Um, and that kind of changed later in my career and, and now is completely different um, for active duty Air Force. Um, I'm originally from Guam. Uh, oh. I grew up in the States um, pretty much all my life. So I don't remember Guam, but I feel <laughs> a strong sense to my culture and I'm hoping it to visit soon. Um, and uh, I was raised in uh, Texas. 
in Bastrop, Texas, just outside of Austin, Texas, um, in a little town um, just kind of outside Bastrop. I went to Bastrop High School, but I was in a smaller town called Cedar Creek. So I grew up in the country, had a wonderful childhood. I'm uh, one of three um, daughters. So I have an older uh, sister and a younger sister. So one year older and three and a half years younger. So my poor dad had three teenage girls at the same time. I can time. only imagine how that was uh, for him. Yes, <laughs> yes. But I, my, my childhood was, I mean, just absolutely great. Um, I was able to, you know, ride horses. That's a big thing. And in, um, in my family, pretty much learn to ride a horse before you walk. <laughs> it's the, kind of the, the rite of passage. Um, I was a band geek, you know, choir, kind of that band nerd thing. Um, I was a pretty, you know, uh, a little shy kid, which is hard for some people to understand because they know me as an adult. Um, but I've always been pretty social, even though I was shy. Um, let's see what else. I played flute and piccolo. So that was my my thing um, in high school. Uh, I have three daughters or two, three daughters. I have three sisters. I have two daughters, <laughs> 13 and eight. Um, and they're the pride and joy of my life. Um, and, uh, we just recently settled about, I say, well, we, we moved to New Braunfels, Texas, um, between Austin and San Antonio about three years ago and, um, bought my first house. I was super proud of that in 2020 of all years. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, we love it here. We love the river life. Um, it's still got a small town feel, um, and special to me because, uh, my mother's side, um, my great grandfather, his family was one of the original German families that settled here okay. way, way back. So a lot of family memories here, childhood memories for me. And so I said, if I ever moved back to Texas, because of course, you know, when I joined, I was like, I'm never going to live in Texas. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, if I do, I'm going to go to New Braunfels. So it took me a few years to get here after I got out, but um, we love it here. So that's funny how that works because I was the same way. I joined the Navy and I was like, I can't wait to leave California. And I got stationed in California and I just like, well, you know, it happens, I guess. You try to get away and somehow you end up coming back. Exactly. <laughs> um, so what led to you um, to joining the Air Force? What took you down that that path? Yeah. So um, my great grandfather, the same one I, I talked about, he was in the Army Air Force and um, he would talk about it, share pictures. He was an avid um like into photography. Um, He actually has a, he gave me a framed photo um, in World War II of um, the beach in Guam. So that was like my 16th birthday uh, present. So he shared a lot of memories and um, I never thought like military, it's, yeah, that's not for me. Um, And then about when I was 17, uh, everyone was kind of, they knew what, you know, at least they claimed they knew what they wanted to do. They were applying for college, you know, had, had some drive and kind of a decision. Um, and I just remember thinking like, I'm not really ready for college. I don't know what I want to do. This all seems very overwhelming, but I know I want to (laughs) leave. I know I want to be out of my parents' house. Um, so I tried to join the air force then, because I told my grand, my great grandfather on his deathbed that if I ever joined the military, I would join the air force. And, um, so, uh, I never looked at any other branch. And at that time, um, I was 17 because I'm an August baby. So I was younger. And um, my mom was like, absolutely not. I'm not signing the paperwork because that was, you know, a couple graduated in 04. So a few years after 9-11, it terrified her. And being a mother now, I can understand that. Um, 
And so uh, my mom said, well, I'll just pay. We'll pay for your first year of college. Let's just, you know, try it out. Just try it out. And I said, okay, what the heck do we have to lose? Went off to UT San Antonio and uh, started my my path of college. Of course, undeclared, didn't know what I was doing. Um, <laughs> partied a lot, probably partied way too much, more than I went to class. Um, I, you know, I come from a, a fairly uh, normal, like middle-class family, so not terrible amounts of money, but, you know, we had what we needed and wanted for the most part. And so I had to work to go through school. And so, um, you know, sometimes I was working three jobs to, you know, pay for my apartment. I'm a very independent and hard-headed person. So I wanted to make sure I could provide for myself and leave, you know, money for uh, my other sisters. And, you know, we were, um, me and my older sister were in college at the same time. And then my younger sister was right behind us. So I I felt a sense of, um, you know, to carry my own weight. Uh, so uh, about three years into college, off and on, it was like, make the dean's list fail, make the dean's list fail. And it was just, it was just a lot of back and forth. And I just wasn't happy. Uh, I started working in a, a bar um, at like 18, waitressing, you know, that type of thing, because I could go and waitress three nights a week and, and make, you know, a good, good amount in tips. And it worked with my schedule with other jobs. And so uh, I actually met a um, sergeant. She was enlisted at the time. Um, you know, she had her own issues and why she was working there, but she was kind of moonlighting. And uh, one day she just kind of was like, I think you'd be good at the military. Like, have you ever decided, you know, thought about joining? And I was like, uh, I mean, yeah, when I was 17, my mom wouldn't sign the paperwork. Also, I wanted to be an aerial gunner then. You know, I figured like, all if right. I'm going to prove people wrong, I'm going <laughs> to do that, you know? So you're going all nervous. in. Yeah, yeah. I was like, tell me I can't do something. I'll show you, <laughs> even if it kills me. So um, she said, well, you know, why don't we just go talk to the recruiter? I'll go with you, you know, make sure you don't get taken advantage of, answer some questions for you. And I'll give you a real world, you know, perspective of how it is to be a woman, you know, in the military. So I took her up on the offer. Um, we went in probably within the next week. Um, she sat in there with the recruiter with me, walked me through the ASVAB, all that. Um, and within, I think it was maybe, maybe two weeks, I was on the delayed entry program. Um, and, uh, since I had some college credits there, even though I had failed quite a bit, um, I was able to, um, to enlist with, uh, airman first class. Um, nice. so E3 in the air force. Um, Although I always, and we're still friends to this day. She actually is, uh, went in officer training school and then uh, she lives in San Antonio now. So we, we still see each other. She's a great friend. And uh, I wish though, I tell her all the time, I was like, why didn't you tell me about ROTC? Nobody told me about ROTC or they didn't tell me about the guard or the yeah. reserve because I was three and a half years in and I'm like, that would have made more sense, you know? And I stayed on delayed entry for six months to get, you know, up into those credits uh, to get that rank, but um, so that was probably about I'm trying to think all seems so long ago, probably like, let's say January of 2007. And then I left in August of 2007, um, two days after my 21st birthday, which I would not recommend because I was very much hungover. <laughs> okay, I can imagine it's like, Hey, it's almost like a farewell party and your 21st birthday yes. at the same time. So you gotta go like two times harder than normal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, it was probably not a good decision, but, you know, I made it through. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, it's kind of, you know, because that was a long answer, but I was just tired of like working three jobs. I wasn't happy. I knew I wanted to do something bigger, but I just, 
I didn't have the the self-discipline on, you know, finishing school. I didn't really feel like anything fit with me technical trade wise. And so um, it just seemed like a cool opportunity. It worked out for her. So I was like, yeah. you know, we'll give it a shot. <laughs> the funny thing is, I think that's kind of um, like a common thing for a lot of people that join. And like, I know there's a number of people that join at, you know, Ryo High School. Um, but I've talked to a few people already that kind of the same thing. They tried college first or try like doing something else but military is always kind of like in the in the back of their mind yeah and they just yeah i don't know that maybe they didn't find their footing right away so they're like no way let's do something that's i'll join and do something that's totally different than what i'm doing and it the experience i'm sure even for you it, it's it's crazy like i i don't know how to like explain it to to most people but it's such a great experience or in the time it might suck. I don't know how it was for you. I remember those days. You're just like, Oh God, I can't wait to get out. But, <laughs> yes, uh, I think everyone has that one. <laughs> yeah. Like I remember we had this one guy um, <clears throat> who had a watch that had like how much time he had left in the Navy down to like the second, like oh it, it was the craziest thing. It, it, we're like, Oh my God. You know, like I wish we had something like that, but um, I don't know when you get out and you kind of reflect, it's like, it was a good experience. Happy. I'm sure you're happy you did it. Oh, and yeah. It's like a different sense of, um, it's a different sense of community too. Like everybody I've talked to, I don't think I've even talked to a Navy person yet, to be honest. For <laughs> sure, there's been there. in other branches. Yeah, I was like, I got a few, and they're females. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, it's kind of cool because it's um, the thing I've enjoyed about it. Like talking to like yourself and other folks is like they join for different reasons, different branches, but at the same time, even the experiences may be different. But the mm -hmm. community, the tribal aspect of it, is so so unique it's uh I don't, I don't know where else you'd find something like that you know outside of maybe uh being a first responder maybe some something yeah. along those lines but um yeah that's that's awesome that you you joined i mean it, even if it was later at least you did it you know i'm sure you loved it great experience and like you said now you have all these things that have happened afterwards you're part of this program or running this program that seems to be making some some big changes in people's lives like just yesterday when you was it yesterday day before when you text me and you're, yeah. you had to go help somebody right away and it's like that's so cool that's how many people actually get to do that you know yeah. take something an experience and turn it into something that helps so many other people so yeah I'm, I'm truly just honored and um thankful every day for that and and joining the air force was one of the best decisions of, of my life um of course i you know, didn't give that any thought at the time, you know, I'm just a young <laughs> kid and, you know, people try to talk you out of stuff or, you know, you don't want to do that, especially then, you know, um, you know, the war had kicked off a couple of years earlier and they're like, no, what are you doing? You know, and my mom, you know, not having a lot of understanding about the military, I only have a couple people that joined the military in my family and I was, I was the first woman. So uh, that had to have been scary. Um, but, you know, I think it was, I probably joined for the wrong reasons. It was more of like my, I remember distinctly, like I love my family. We're super close, but I remember telling him I was going into the military and I was a super girly girl sucked at sports. Like I still do to this day. I'm not coordinated. And uh, I think the only thing I had going for me was that I was in marching band. And so like, I at least knew how to march. <laughs> um, and they just laughed in my face. They were like, you realize you have to wear the same thing every day and you have to like work out. Right. <laughs> and they just laughed. And I was like, I can do this. So it was like a sense of just like, I'm going to prove you wrong. And, and I wouldn't recommend that, uh, you know, for anybody, but you know, it worked out for me. So. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, hey, at least you have the marching part done, you know, <laughs> down already. Because 
I remember a boot camp. There are some people just cannot. It's like, yeah, like the same right. arm and same foot. I'm like, how do you even do that? <laughs> <laughs> I, I just thought it was like the craziest thing because I've played sports and stuff, but like watching even marching for me to get like get in the groove because the cadence is going and try to it's like if they mess up the cadence or if you like just walk one yeah. step too fast and then it throws off the whole crew and it's just like oh man but uh that's funny um, never seen so much confusion with left and right in my life <laughs> it's like the american school system is failing us <laughs> <laughs> that's where it starts it's, uh, yeah. you know, it's in a it's in boot camp or whatever and then if these guys become teachers, it's like it's a trickle down effect. <laughs> yeah, trips for teachers. Blame, here you go. Blame <laughs> the veterans, you know, for not being able to get left and right correct. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um, yeah. So, also want to kind of dive into uh, yeah, your the organization that you're you're running over here. The was it vets vets like her. Um, yeah. So we're actually going through a rebranding kind of discussions okay. right now. Cause so, so in 2021 last year in June, um, actually on women veterans days when I debuted, debuted it and didn't really plan, but I figured that was just kind of the stars aligning. So it was pretty cool. I didn't even know that was a thing. <laughs> um, and, uh, so I filed a DBA, um, just, you know, I Googled it and was like, you know, how do you start doing, you know, selling stuff or, you know, start organization and, it's like, oh, you just go to the county and you pay like 20 something bucks and you pick a name and that's what you do. So I signed a piece of paper, <laughs> didn't have any funding, didn't know what the heck I was doing, didn't know what I'd offer. Um, uh, but I picked the uh, the name Her um, just because I wanted like kind of an act, you know, we love our acronyms. Um, I wanted it to be like you knew it was for women when you saw it. Um, and um, supporting local and women-owned businesses, especially veteran-owned businesses, and even more if it's women veteran-owned businesses, <laughs> a special thing for me. Um, and so I reached out to um, kind of part of like a unofficial women's collective, uh, a lot of like local business owners, and uh, she does logos and graphic design. And so I just kind of told her like, hey, this is what I want to do. This is some keywords that like evoke you know the the feeling of it and and she came up with the logo which i just love um uh and it, and then uh, it stands for heroism excellence pay homage to my air force core values and uh <laughs> resilience um and she's actually the one that tagged the uh the tagline the women veterans society um so uh you know i i did that and to give a little background i, I did that i went through a lot of struggles and i'm sure we'll talk about it uh, when i transitioned out my story is no different than, than probably every veteran you've talked to. Um, and uh, I was in a really dark place in, uh, in 2017. And, uh, you know, my family at that time, I was still married. Uh, I was I was married to a, a prior service Marine um, who, who was also a disabled vet. And uh, I was the primary caregiver who was going through some really bad medical issues. Um, so we were both in a dark depression, uh, you know, financial situation was not good, you know, declaring bankruptcy, Baylor surviving, even though I was working like a dog. Um, and, uh, you know, it was my oldest daughter that really got me out of it. She, she came to me one day and, and said, you know, mommy, you, you never want to go to the park anymore. You know, you're laying in bed all day and I don't care who you are when your kids like come to you. And, and I mean, you dust yourself off and you, and you figure out, you know, if you want to do better for them. Um, so, so I made a vow to myself to do better that day, uh, slowly, but surely, you know, started going to the gym, 
uh, trying to reach out for help, advocate for myself, read up on benefits. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, it, it led to divorce, you know, later on. But I told myself when I when I started over and I got divorced, I moved out that um, whenever I was stable more financially and I had provided a good, safe place for my family to live, um, that I wanted to start my own organization and I wanted it to be for women vets. And I, I didn't want other women vets to go through what I did, the isolation, the loss of identity, again, no different than male veterans. Um, uh, and just, you know, I had so much knowledge of things that I just earmarked. I mean, I, I read the the veterans guidebook and I would I, like the Bible, like I would like post it. I still have it to this day, like sticky notes and like ask about this and ask about that. And, um, on the off chance that I would run into any veteran, I'd be like, Oh, well, did you know, you know, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, no, I, I didn't know that. You know, that's cool. Thanks for sending me that info. And so I said, you know, I don't have to have a bunch of money to help people. Um, knowledge is power. And, um, you know, I'll just share resources. It's kind of where I started, you know? Mm -hmm. And so when I filed for that DBA, um, I also, I work in tech still, so I, uh, communication. So I had that going for me. So I knew like I could build a website. It's probably a good place to start, you know, and, um, you know, I wanted to present myself like I was this big established, you know, entity uh, to try to get, you know, funding and things like that and buy in. Um, but really it was just me. I was just a one woman show. And uh, uh, I just, I made some business cards on Amazon, spent my own money, spent my own money on, on the website. And to this day, I actually fund the website that doesn't come out of the organization's funds. Uh, and uh, put my logo on a shirt, found another woman owned the company. And I said, Hey, I, I want to make this shirt. That's the design I'm looking for. And I just started trolling Facebook, scrolling and, and looking at every veteran like thing that was like open to the public and um, any local market days, things like that. And I showed up with my little, you know, table with really nothing on it and my shirt and like, here I am, you know, you know, any women veterans in need, you know, I, I want to share some resources. I want to tell you what we struggle with, our unique challenges um, and just kind of just sharing knowledge, um, awareness and uh uh, I remember the first one, let's see, I think it was May. It was before I actually, um, it was before I debuted it, um, as like my website and everything, but it was May of 2021. And I had gotten invited by a female veteran I connected with on Facebook. And, um, she's like, you should come to this, uh, mission 22 suicide awareness, you know, walk. It's right here in New Braunfels at the post. I was thinking, yeah, I mean, why not? Whatever, it's free. I'll bring my dog, do the thing. We talk, got to talking. I wore my shirt, you know, and people were like, oh, what's that? You know, I, that's cool. I like the logo. Um, and just kind of uh, word of mouth. And then uh, once I debuted my website, then things got real. And it was like, <laughs> all right, like I, I'm out here now. I'm in the space. Um, and it just, it, it took off from there. Um uh, I went to a, uh, I'm probably going to do some shameless plugs here and, and would love to share with you afterwards too, if you want to post about them. Oh, but, yeah, um, of course. Uh, I, I came across, um, had my first, uh, not really fundraise. It was more like a community event because I knew the challenge was just getting women to come out, like, right. And, and being able to come out if they have children or, you know, taking care of their parents, things like that, roadblocks, obstacles, mm -hmm. anxiety is a big one. Yeah. So I took a poll and people were like, I don't know, like, yeah, I would come to this. No, I wouldn't come to that. This is what I, I would have to overcome to get there. Um, so I reached out to another woman owned business, uh, a mother uh, at my kid's school. 
that I was friends with and uh, she does yoga and uh, she does certain spins on yoga um, and she uh, started sup, sup yoga, stand up paddleboard yoga. And we have all these beautiful rivers over here. So she said, well, why don't we just do like a sup yoga class and they can just pay directly so you don't have to come out of pocket. Um, so I was all stoked. You know, I had promoted and I was like, oh, it's going to be awesome. I'm getting all this feedback. Everyone's RSVPing. And, you know, like uh, probably a lot of people that start new things, two people show up. So, you know, I'm down on myself and I'm like, man, what the heck? Like all these women were saying they were going to come. And, uh, and, and, and so I was talking to the two women veterans that showed up and, and they were like, this is awesome. I had such a great time. We met for lunch afterwards and they said, no, just, just be consistent. You know, like this is, it, it's two people, right? It's two more than you had. Yeah, exactly. um, and those two people, and I, t I say this every time I tell um, the story of organizations ha has paid it paid for it in spades. Um, uh, one of the ladies, her name is Betsy, and uh, she is just a hardworking mom, single mom. And uh, she set me up with the, the second fundraiser um, at one of her side jobs at a winery here in Green, which is a huge tourist location. Um, the other one is Ayanna Brown. She runs Reach Peer Support LLC in San Antonio for, for military families and, and military resources for families. Um, counseling, things like that. Amazing, just super intelligent uh, woman. And to this day, I mean, she sends me stuff. We collaborate. I helped her build her website, helped her through some challenges of, you know, starting her own thing. Um, and uh, I'm just so grateful that I didn't quit then. Um, and yeah, I mean, uh, uh, we had our, I'm part of a networking group here locally of uh, just locally, um, own businesses. And I'm the, one of the two nonprofits of that group and, uh, just word of mouth. I mean, meeting, meeting friends and, and, you know, somebody was in another meeting at another networking group and they said, Hey, we'd like to really represent a new nonprofit. That's just starting out. My, you know, my friend stood up and was like, I got the perfect one. <laughs> um, and, you know, and, and they're great. They're called, uh, ENA here in New Braunfels. And, uh, I mean, they, they raised $3,700 in two hours. Wow. Um, I was blown away. I remember crying. I, I thought, you know, $200, I'd be like, woohoo, you know, because, <laughs> you know, I was here selling merch and uh, really it was costing me more than it was really making. But I was trying to get my word out there, my logo, you know, start some conversations. And uh, I was just blown away by like the sheer amount of support, uh, people donating baskets to raffle, um, you know, just coming out. I mean, showing up. I mean, there was there was that was a good 150 people at this, you know, bar and, and they're all wearing my shirts. They all like came in, bought shirts for me. And it was just a really freaking cool moment. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I could go on and on about it, but I know we're limited time, but, but that, yeah, that's how it came to be. So. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's so great to hear. Um, you know, being consistent, I think like uh, you said earlier and continuously pushing that, that, that program out there, you know, events, uh, to get people to come because I don't know, like one of the things I was thinking of, you know, when you said only two people show up, it, like you said, it's still two people. It's more than, more than would have yeah. showed up if you would have done anything. And maybe yeah. those two people, if nothing, if you didn't do that event, who knows what would have happened to them also. I mean, I think of also just like you're saying, a lot of people RSVP, but I think at the same time, uh, from what I've seen talking to veterans so far, especially during uh, the podcast and stuff, a lot of them have agreed, you know, it's hard to like go yeah. out and talk, yeah, commit and 
like not necessarily even share feelings or your emotions or what you're going through or what you've gone through going being there yeah yeah that's that's like the first step is is pretty hard because like you said a lot of veterans i know i've said it myself like you it's easy to get in that rabbit hole and then you do shut off like you you can just kick people out of your life and you stop showing up to things and family events uh, friends birthday parties whatever it is you just stop doing it so it's easy to get in that in that predicament where you just don't feel like there's a like really a purpose to your life and stuff like that so um it's great to hear that you know now it's really turned into something you guys are you know helping people out like you when you messaged me the other day and it says a lady called you and you're able to help her get ready for her interview and all the little necessities that she needed to to accomplish that so I mean, that's huge. I think that's massive, even if it's just one person. If it, you know, it's it's somebody that needed help, and now you're helping that individual where most likely if they didn't have that outlet or that resource, they fall through the cracks, and you see these homeless rates are insane right now for veterans across the board, and women veterans right now are starting to skyrocket. Um, and, like, some of the things I was I – because was, I've never really focused myself on just veteran – um like statistics and stuff so i, I did do a, quite a bit of research and i was even trying to think back to like when i was in the in the navy how women were perceived and stuff like that how we, they're even treated um i mean i know like there are some that just got office roles because they just assume like oh you know they're a woman they can't do any manual labor so i'll just give them an office job so mm-hmm. i feel like man i can't i'm not sure how that felt for that those individuals but probably Kind of like you're saying, you take things as a challenge. So I wonder if they're sitting there like, man, I can do the stuff you guys are doing, but you're not letting me do it. And then whatever other experiences happen um, behind closed doors, because one of the things I, I found out um, or I researched was that like women are three times more likely to have sexual trauma as well in the military. And that's one of those things. I mean, there's been I've heard some stories. There's like a huge thing in the Navy years ago with like a uh, prostitution and stuff on one of their carriers, but you never really hear about that, I guess like, Oh man, how, how are they actually treated in the military? And especially at, I can't remember who I was talking to about this before, but now they're in the Navy, they're on submarines now. And I just feel like, man, that's, if things happen on a ship where there's all these thousands of people and people can probably see things, I know there's just, you're not, there's open areas where the a submarines just close quarters. I'm sure yeah. I'm not sure how many people are on a submarine, but I can't even imagine what they're what goes through or what happens on on something like that. Um, yeah, for sure. So, yeah, it's it's um, it's kind of alarming some of these things that actually came up across from just simple little researches. Um, and then one of the things I also wanted to go back to as well because i saw that a statistic that said like 54 percent of female veterans didn't very pre- feel prepared to navigate um like civilian life or you know getting out of the military how to navigate and find resources and stuff like that so i was going to ask you as well when you got out of the air force was there like a transition class because then when i was getting out of the navy that's what they had like like a i forget what they call it i don't say yeah. what tap yeah they call in there i didn't know that was a universal term but yeah i think that's what it's called like tap or whatever and uh all i remember it being was like almost a recruiting thing for uh the reserves like oh don't get out you know you can join the reserves that that whole week was just 
ways to join the reserve. The why to join the reserve. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, I didn't build a resume. I didn't do nothing. I was like, okay, I'm here for a week. And now I really don't want to join the reserves. That's all you really did. You made yeah, me not like, want to do it. Horrible time. Yeah. Horrible yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I think, you know, of course there's a lot of things that are now like bringing awareness to women veterans and, and our unique challenges. Um, I think one, th uh, many things don't get discussed, but one of the, the highlights uh, that's personal to my own story is uh, we don't really talk about um, the differences, you know, when, when female service members get pregnant, um, what they choose to do, the stigma around even, um, as we say, pulling the pregnancy card and getting out. Um, and uh, that was me. So uh, I, I wasn't doing well. Uh, I had really bad anxiety because at the time um, my was not doing well. I mean, he was having seizures in his sleep, stopped breathing, you know, I mean, it, and we had a young daughter, you know, she was, she was under probably about two years old. Um, no family around, you know, we're at our base. I'm going TDY a lot. Um, loving my job, the unit. I mean, I, I was just ecstatic. I, I was, I was in the ops world and I was like, here, I am the support person. And this is so cool. And I get to fly and do all this cool stuff. And, um, I just couldn't, I couldn't keep my head in the game most times because I was worried about, you know, if he didn't answer the phone or, you know, I hear from him like, oh, he's, you know, he's on the side of the road or nobody knows, you know, my daughter's just sitting there by herself. Um, and, and so, you know, I had to make the hard decision. You know, I had to pick between, you know, my two loves, my family and my career, which which really is a parallel to a lot of women uh, that, that don't even serve, you know. Right. It's just mm -hmm. it's just a societal thing. And, uh, you know, so I I made the decision to get out because uh, I couldn't I couldn't transition to the reserves actually I was trying to at that time um, for a long time um, I was trying to do like a they called it I think it was palace chase and I was trying to retrain whatever I could do to figure it out to make it work better and the Air Force just kept denying me because they're like man Danielle we need you know sergeant so-and-so we need to keep you you're a fast burner we need staff sergeants in your career field right now so no you know my they were like no we're not letting you out so, you know, I was forced to pull the pregnancy card and, um, and I remember having issues without myself. You know, I was like, I don't want to be that chick. Like I, I used to, you know, I used to talk bad about those chicks. It's like, I, I don't, mm -hmm. I don't want to be that, you know, I want to finish my term. I want to finish what I signed up for. I want to see it through the end. And so it was really hard for me. And that probably was what kicked my depression and, um, you know, just negative self-talk. Um, and, uh, so when I got out, um, uh, I was actually seven months pregnant and, uh, I got one week notice and it was a week before Christmas. And, uh, my, my husband was already in Texas with my parents trying to, you know, find a job, trying to figure out something, you know, how we're going to pay the bills. Uh, and, and, you know, luckily I had a good family support system. You know, I, I had family that was able financially to take me in, um, came from a good childhood and it wasn't like I was trying to escape something, which is I common for women veterans, uh, not in a domestic violence situation, things like that. And uh, it was tough. I mean, I'm just even moving out of base housing, you know, I was a single pregnant serviceman. My husband wasn't there to help me, you know, trying to get out of all that. And, you know, the checklists or like checklists on checklists um, and everything needed to be done yesterday. Uh, and around the holidays, everyone's taking leave. So it was like a joke. Right. Um, and uh, went to I remember them saying, uh, my senior math sergeant was like, you got to go to transition to go to tap. And I was like, why? Like, what are they going to offer me? I'm seven months pregnant lady. No one's going to hire me anyway. You know, I, I've taken maternity leave. I said, you're just wasting my time. I got to do all this other stuff. And uh, I just remember sitting in there and 
I mean, I can't even remember one thing they said to me because I was physically, I, I, I wasn't physically there, but mentally just completely elsewhere. And I, I was just thinking of all this stuff and thinking, oh, you're making a mistake, uh, you know, just all the things with any kind of change. And uh, I think tap for sure needs to be more of a phased approach, you know, like one year out to year, you know, having check-ins because yeah. at that point, like one, we're excited. We're like, Oh, I'm about to start my life. You know, like I'm free, <laughs> uh, break the change, you know, and, and you're just, you're just not in that headspace, right? You're, you're listening to all the people that's like, Oh, you're gonna make so much money on the outside and you got this. And, you know, it's always, it's, it's the positive things, which is nice. Um, but it's just not realistic. I don't think. And uh, for female service members, especially, you know, it's common for us to, to get out pregnant and, and just doesn't serve us well. Um, it, it's, it's not a one stop fits all one shop fits all, you know, for any of us. Um, but it's especially women veterans, you know, I, I, I remember I, they didn't even talk about um, women's health at all, like health services, at the VA. The only reason I found out about it is because I did take the veterans. Uh, it was like the veteran benefit book they give you. It's probably online now, but, um, and I read it and I was like, you know, what do they have for women's health? You know, I'm about to have no insurance, nothing. Right. And, uh, found out that the, the VA in Austin, thankfully, um, where I was going had, um, was one of the, the first like pilot cities, I guess that, or pilot VAs that, um, had a women's health area that you could get maternity care from. And you were eligible for a breast pump and, you know, you just had to do all the paperwork. So, you know, but what, what if I didn't have that, right? What if I was going into a situation where I didn't have housing, you know, and, and the first thing I'm trying to do is survive, right? I'm trying to get food and, and somewhere to live. The last thing I'm going to have time for or even be worrying about is, you know, what can I get, you know, maybe for free or a uh, hand up. Um, it just doesn't work that way. Um, and I was just fortunate enough to be able to, to have that time to do that. Um, and, uh, you know, so I got out and we moved and he still didn't have a job. My dad got into a bad car wreck about a month later, almost. All so our plan was to move into my childhood Gosh. home and my parents were going to retire and, you know, live their life out. So here I am, you know, I guess I was about 28 years old then living in my, my old bedroom, childhood bedroom with my entire family of four. Right. And I was thinking like, God, you're such a damn failure. Like what the hell did you do with your life? It's the worst mistake you've ever made, you know? Mm -hmm. and, and just really down on myself. And four weeks after I gave birth to my second daughter, because um, we needed money, you know, I, my family, you know, can only do so much. And being that proud person, I was like, you know, this is not how it's supposed to be. You're supposed to take care of your parents, not supposed to be there all the right around. Um, I reported for duty at my reserve unit uh, to finish out, you know, my because I had about a year and some change of my uh, military service time, you know, for the eight years. And I remember talking to my sergeant and he was like, what are you doing here? Like, you're not supposed to be here. You're like, you're supposed to still be off. And I was like, no, like I need money. Like put me on orders. I'll do whatever. I'll file papers. Like I'm here to work. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so I started, I, I, and looking back, I'm thinking, God, like I was a badass. Like that, that's a lot of shit I was dealing with, you know, and I was a full-time student and, I remember breastfeeding and typing papers, you know, at the same time. And, <laughs> but then, you know, you're just like, you're in your head and you're just in this negative space. And you're just like, I'm such a failure. And everybody's looking at me, you know, I remember standing and getting WIC, you know, getting the public assistance and, and people looking at me and it, it walking into spaces where they're assuming, you know, I'm a young mom that 
you know, living off government assistance. And it's like, you know, no, like I'm a veteran too. You know, I served, I, I did this so that other people can have this opportunity and here I'm feeling shameful for using it. And, And that, that was really hard. You know, that, that was difficult and, and not, and feeling so isolated that I didn't, I didn't identify with the moms that, that didn't join. Right. You know, and it was like, I, all I wanted to talk about was my service. You know, it was kind of, that was my whole identity then. And, and, you know, I'd get comments and, and, and they didn't mean it. And at the time I was thinking like, they don't know, you know, stupid civilians, you know, I, I was in that kind of mindset and, 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 uh, you know, they just, they didn't understand, you know, they'd be like, well, how could you leave your daughter? You know, you went to deployment before she even turned one, you missed all the things. And I'm like, yeah, I know I missed all the things. Like tell me something I didn't know, you know, but, um, I just, I couldn't bond with them up front. And, um, you know, my male counterparts at my job, I was again, the only female, once again, I'm always the only female. I'm in a male dominate career field. Still I'm in tech. Um, I'm a minority. Um, you know, I'm a, I got young children. Um, and, uh, it was just really difficult. I, I just started closing into myself and it was like, you know, I'll just stick to who I know, you know, my family, go to work, come back. And, and it, it, it got dark fast, you know? So yeah, that's what I had to say about my transition. I, I, I had a lot of suicidal ideations and, uh, lots of trauma. I didn't, I didn't talk about in my time in service. Um, you know, that it was just like, you know, don't have time for that. You got to move on, press on, adapt and overcome. Right. And, and of course that's good, you know, for military, we, we understand why we have to do that, you know, but when we start processing all our stuff and we get in that identifying as a veteran, which doesn't happen overnight either. I could have a whole nother discussion about that, a whole nother podcast, but, um, you know, just, it, it, it's, it's difficult to explain. And I, I definitely underestimated it. You know, I thought I'm not like a 20 year vet, you know, like, a, it's not going to be a big deal, you know, but you, you don't remember, like you, you don't know how much you changed, like how much the military changed you as a person. And, it, it, that is all I can say is it's, it's just wild. You, I don't think anything can quite, pre- I think things can mitigate the preparedness, but I don't think anything can quite prepare you for, uh, I'm going to say like the shock and awe of like the feeling of it. You, you view everything different. You, you feel different about things that you used to be okay with and now you're not, and you don't know why, and you don't know how to feel mm-hmm. about it. And it's just all crazy, you know, but. That's, anyway. that's the truest like part about it i think everybody i've talked to has kind of said the same thing um like mark that i had on from his left foot right foot he said he felt like an alien when he got out you know like he just got dropped off and like in america basically you know on earth and he got these like nobody understands him and felt really alone and that's exactly like i've talked about before that's how i felt like i like identifying as veteran is a weird thing because it's not something that does happen overnight it certainly happens like i feel like just recently i've really accepted the fact that i'm a veteran like holy crap like i'm proud of it yeah exactly those years like you're saying i only did four years but um don't say only i'm a big (laughs) we're just (laughs) you know i did four years and it and it does change you and like mold you in a way that i think a lot of people don't understand um like you do view things differently i remember like you're saying I, i i how you interact with people and all that stuff is totally different in the civilian world compared to being in the military. Like even your bosses in the military, they act differently with you. Like I had, I did have a, a first class pay officer. I kind of 
told me what I was getting myself into. And I was just like, whatever, you know, like, I'm fine. I, too. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to be fine, man. I'm, I'm ready to do it. Like, who's not going to hire a veteran, you know? <laughs> yeah. And he told me, I remember I was shining some brass in the, fuel, in the pump rooms and he was like, or when the fuel stations and he was like, he's like, uh, Burnley, he's like, it's going to be, it's going to be hard when you get out, you know? And he's like, you're going to want to come back. And I was like, oh no. I was like, no, it's not gonna be like that. He's like, it's a lot harder than you think. That's what he kept telling me. He's like, it's a lot harder than you think. He's like, believe me, I've seen people in your shoes. They eager to get out. They get out, and then they wish they would have stayed in. And it's very true. I, I kind of, it's weird. I was in that weird predicament, kind of where I wanted to get out, but then when I did, I remember the bus ride to the airport. I started to cry. I was like, holy crap! Like this is totally right to that. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh crap! What did I do? Like. It's over. And I remember the excitement and everything. I got my boots and I threw them in the trash. I was like, oh, I'll see you guys. I was like cussing everybody. I was like, see you fuckers You're later. Like, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my, my my papers and everything. I was like, yeah. And then I got to the bus and I was like, oh, God. I was like, this is this is crazy. And I had sat next to somebody on the plane and they're like, oh, where, where are you coming from? I was like, I just got out of the Navy today. Like, <laughs> I, was like just I just like, said that out loud for the first yeah. time. <laughs> you know, the shock of it is insane when you do leave the structure and um, it's like a loose structure. I don't know how to explain it to most people, but in the Navy, it's like structure, but then there's a lot of wiggle room in that structure mm -hmm. at yeah. the same time. Um, yeah. But, and one of the things I could totally relate to, like you said, when you're in line and, you know, trying to get, get assistance is people don't know who you are or what you've done. And I was, I, I held on that to the, like, for the longest time, like, wow, they don't know anything about me. Like they should, I felt like people should owe me something, some type of gratitude for the longest time. And I, I don't, and that was, I mean, I can, that's a path that's leads you down a horrible road as yeah, well. I like I was just spiteful of, of people like, Oh man. You're talking, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like, you're talking to me like this. You don't even know me. Like yeah. I've, I've gone through and done more than you, you probably have ever done in your life. And mm -hmm. I like was really hateful towards people. Mm -hmm. like in that sense and then um it takes a long time to i'd say till man for me just a few maybe four or five years ago or really started to yeah, click that was where, like last year two years yeah yeah you know it's it's a long road you know it's it's not something that happens overnight um like it started i mean i wasn't i wouldn't say like oh the fifth day or the fifth year i woke up and i was like oh man i'm better but it's like i've still had those moments <laughs> i think it, everybody always will like no matter how good you feel yeah. I've had moments just recently where I started drinking a little bit more again. And it's like, but now I'm more aware of it. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I'm like, all right, let's stop. Like yeah. I poured a bottle of whiskey out the other night. I was like, I don't even know why I bought this. Like mm -hmm. just get rid of it. It's out of sight, out of mind, waste of money, waste of time. I know where that path leads now. Cause I've been there and I'm sure like you can relate. Like you said, you've had those suicidal thoughts. I've talked about that with uh, James Espinosa on here. Like I've written stuff down or a, texted myself a whole like memoir basically and that that was like a scary freaking moment i remember doing it and i was sitting there and i was like what the hell am i doing like that's it's a very dark place to get into because well, um, you never think you're you're just like that's not me like i'm never gonna be you know when you when you hear stories and you or even your friends you know you're like oh, it's, it's just yeah, exactly. shocking to yourself yeah exactly and I think a lot of people like I've, I've been in that, like, I feel like usually I'm pretty outgoing with a lot of people. Like I'm kind of the same thing. I'm shy among like with new people, but once they get to know me, I'm like, 
I can't shut up. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. So, I'm super outspoken. I'm like, hey, I'll bring the life of the party all the time. Yeah. You know, so if, like, I think people like my can note, like notice that change and like, oh man, he's not, or even for you, probably even they know it's like, man, you're not really as spunky as you normally are. You're like brushing things off or not feeling as motivated or determined to do things. Yeah. Um, which, which happens, you know, and it's, it's hard to talk about even with family. Like I've, I've told people that multiple times and I, a lot of them have said the same thing. It's a, a lot of it's, I think also you're afraid to tell your spouses, your parents, your siblings, exactly what you're going through. Because also I think the military also makes you extremely proud of, of the person you are. So it's to like, and people view your family views you that way too. They're like, Oh, look at you. Look what you did. It's that guilt um, and shame that you carry. Yeah. Yeah. You feel like you're letting them down by letting it get to you. And, and uh, I think that's why a lot of veterans don't openly come out and tell their families, Hey, you know, this is what's happening to me because they're so proud of you. They view you in a certain way. And then to see that you're going through that, um, I'm sure that's not exactly what veterans want to see their families go through as well. So exactly. Uh, I mean, it took me four years to, to have that discussion, you know, with my family. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, like I'm just recently having it kind of sort of not fully yet, but like kind of dropping hints when I've talked to my dad the last few times, like, hey, you know, like this is kind of what was happening. I'm going to detail, obviously, but, um, you know, kind of this is where I was at this stage of my life when we're extremely poor. Like we've been there. I've been in that situation where, man, you're rubbing like two pennies together hoping it turns into a freaking 100 bucks or something you're just like yes. cockroaches are coming out of your cereal it's like man it been there done that yeah it, it's a lot harder than most people think um and a lot of people don't know people go through that I, i'd imagine even for yourself you know unless you tell them like hey this is what's actually happening yeah um, which brings one, more guilt and shame <laughs> it's like a yeah, never circle you feel like a failure <laughs> in, internally so to express it to somebody i feel like it solidifies it like it makes it more real if you mm -hmm. if you tell somebody um but yeah one of the other things i that you brought up that i found really interesting because I, I was looking up suicidal rates um for women veterans and you were saying a lot of them get out due to pregnancy and stuff even if they don't want to get out you know kind of like you were saying you you felt like you needed to because you had um external things going on and it's one of the things i found out that was doing some research here is that women veterans ages 18 to 29 are nearly 12 times likely to kill themselves than non-veterans like that's that's pretty alarming uh, numbers to, you know that's i'm not sure i can't remember exactly how old this was i think it was a couple years old this mm -hmm. this uh, statistic but um that's one of those things I never thought about because I've always seen them on the on base. When I was in station in Coronado, you'd see pregnant women out there sweeping the the base and stuff, and everybody'd have their jokes like, "Oh, she's just pregnant, so she won't go on deployment." All that kind of you know stuff. But who knows what happens? Uh, I I can't speak to what happens to a woman in in the military, but um, rates like that are pretty alarming and I think sad, like you were saying, because then you get out, and if what if they don't do the research that you did. Like you seem exactly. like you, you know, you did some research. So I imagine a lot of women, because it happens with just male veterans also, you don't do research and you get out and you wake up and you're like, holy shit. Yeah. 
it's a lot. Your yeah. whole net just got pulled, right? Your whole safety net. Exactly. Um, so I, I think um, what's what's alarming too with those statistics is um, a lot of the data, like you said, it's a few years old. Um, it's just not there. Like the, the studies don't really exist for us um, as much as they do in our male counterparts. I don't think that's anybody's fault. It just is what it is. Um, but it's hard to like advocate and to spread awareness of things because, you know, you want that data. You want you want to like have the numbers right to show to, to get the funding, things like that. And, and it, it just doesn't exist a lot of the time or it's as outdated. Um, I mean, we're, we're even more likely to have PTSD than our male counterparts. And, and a lot of that does have to do with military sexual trauma. And I'm not saying that that's what happens to every woman veteran because it, it doesn't, you know, um, it, it's not part of everybody's story. Um, but I think it's still, I'd be remiss to not bring it up, you know, um, uh, you know, I, every time somebody talks about it with me, I, I get, you know, I, I got goosebumps while you were reading it and because all I think about, and, and I told um, the woman veteran I helped the other day, I said, all, all I think about when I hear things like that is like, that could have been me, you know, all it would have took is for me to not have my parents to take me in, you know, um, and that could have been me, that, that could be my story. And if I struggled that much with support, I can't even fathom, like what it would feel like to not have that. Um, you know, so I, it just brings me like to a really emotional place. Um, and, and that's when I feel like giving up and when I feel like I'm not doing enough and, you know, I'm, I'm overwhelmed and what the hell was I thinking starting to, you know, an organization, I'm a mom and I work full time and it's just all this stuff, you know, and, and I still have my own goals and stuff I want to do um, outside of that. And, but that's the stuff that drives me, you know, it's like, yeah, I, I might only help one person this year, or I, I might only share knowledge with, you know, two people, but, but those people will pay it forward too. I'm a, I'm a big believer in paying it forward. And, and uh, I think that's what makes the world a better place. What makes, you know, starting in your local community, I, I'm a big believer of that too, is like, do what you can do, right? Try to leave the, the world a better place than, than what you, when you came into it. And, I think it's important to show my daughters that, you know, that you can make a difference at whatever level you you want to. Um, it doesn't have to big, be a big dog and pony show, right? It doesn't have to be glory. It could be, you know, you go and serve food at the local food bank or, you know, just, but I think that that trait, that that wanting to give back and, and be, like you said, in the military, but something bigger than you, right? You, you want that, that, again, like veterans feel like they, they need that back. Right. Like I remember when I first felt that back and just finally feeling like I remember feeling when I was in, I was like, there it is. I found it again. You know, that, that, and it, and it all sounds so cheesy. And I get like in my head when I, you know, I'll probably listen to this podcast back and think like, Oh God, I just sound like a cheesy person, but <laughs> it really is like, it's true, you know? Yep. So anyway, it's, it's very true. Like, um, I don't know. I always think about this one time I told my brother when I, this is years ago, I was like, man, I felt like I grew up in the military a lot. And he's like, well, you didn't grow up in the military. I was like, okay, but I did. In my mind, I didn't say that to him, but my mind is like, but I did from 18 to 22. It's a big growth period. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And just like the things you see, the bonds you make with people, the experience, life experiences is, is different. Like you said, the purpose level, like when you get out, it is hard to, it's really hard to find something that like gets you out of bed and gets you excited to do, you know, and for me, it's actually been doing these podcasts with other veterans. Cause it's um, 
like I was telling my wife, is like it's kind of therapeutic even for myself to know that like, hey, I wasn't the only one going through this stuff, you know, and it's there's some I wasn't record. crazy. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't going nuts, you know, I wasn't losing my mind. It, there's other people that were going through the same thing. I wasn't alone in this. Um, and it's across like all ages. Everybody's served at different times. I don't think I've talked to anybody that was even yourself served while I was serving. Cause you say you got out, you got out in 2000. Uh, 15 completely 15. Oh. 2013 off active duty. Okay. Yeah. You were, yeah, I was in there. So I joined in 2008. So yeah. Um, yeah, most of, most of everybody's already had years ahead of me on, and they're older than me. So it's, it's interesting in that sense to know also like it's it's not just a recent veteran thing or military thing it's it has some pretty deep roots i know like it seemed like the vietnam war kind of like really started bringing a lot of it to light but um till especially recently it seems like like i've told everybody veterans are really grabbing this these issues by the by the by the horns and running with it themselves like vets like yourself doing these programs or outreaches, charities, whatever it is. Um, I'm not sure if it what necessarily does. I know for me, it's because it's it, it's like a sense of comfort. Also, I enjoy talking to fellow service people because it is it's hard to talk to anybody about the crap we go through, what we did when we're in, because nobody really gets it. Like you're saying, they kind of just like, oh, yeah, that's cool. Like, I don't I don't know what that means, but yeah. But yeah, I think that's it's it's extremely important to have for veterans to have community. And I think, you know, if it, it is even if somebody's listening to this and they haven't gone to like a, an event, I would recommend doing it one time at least just oh, yeah. to see how it feels. I've, I went to one this year. Was, I've only been to one, but it was a suicide um, walk that they're doing prevention. Yeah. Walk. Yeah. Same thing for me. That was the first one I went to. Yeah, and it's it, it if it was really. I don't know. Just it felt felt right. Like I remember, just like excitement seeing other veterans and you see their families and like I don't know. Just like man, here we are. We're, we're this group of people. We've all gone through whatever we've gone through, but we're still here. We're making it through. We're fighting whatever demons or issues that we got going on, and we made it out here. Like that's the first step, I think, is technology. That hey, something's happening. Maybe maybe there's someone in, someone in those events that were really deep into something and they decided to go and they might have saved their life, you know? So I agree. And I, I, I think the, for me, when I went to that event, it, I felt like I, I had like a sense of my identity back. Like it was like, okay, we're, we're not in anymore, but we're all veterans. You know, we all poke fun at each other. Same thing <laughs> as when we were in. Right. But it's like, I feel like you get even closer. Like, you know, like when you're in, you know, it's always like, branches against each other we're all teasing each other but now it's like but we're all veterans now right we all wear the same like veteran thing <laughs> um and so it's it's it was like easier it felt for me to like press forward right because it was like okay like here's everybody like like that person moved on and went to school and or maybe they're an entrepreneur or you know it was just it was a chance to see the light at the end of the tunnel per se or you know it was hope um for me so mm -hmm. yeah yeah, there's um, and yeah, another thing I almost forgot. I, I have it written down. I wanted to bring up also. I, I wrote down a whole bunch of stuff because I was like, I've never thought That's about. Awesome. This. I, was, I was telling my wife, I was like, I've never thought about like what women veterans or women service members go through any of that stuff. I was like, I've only just thought, you know, 
ah, this is what I went through. This is what was normal, but it's different, obviously, for everybody. Um, like when I had, I was thinking, I wrote down something when, like, uh, with Shannon when she was on, she was talking about cancer and stuff in women also. And it's crazy. Uh, so I was digging a little bit deeper. One of the things I found was that, like, even cancer rates for are higher in women uh, who served in the military. And I, one of the things I came up with are their cancer rates are higher for 700 or 700 enrolled in the VA are diagnosed each year. Each one, uh, 700 women in the VA are diagnosed each year of cancer. And um, I know she was really pushing for that fight as well with, you know, bringing some light on, okay, women go serve in the military. They're exposed to things as well. And then they come back and there's not really a whole lot of cancer screening processes in place. Like you were saying there, even for childcare and stuff like that, like, unless you know what you're doing, you're, you're not going to know what's out there for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think just recently they passed the bill where now they have to do cancer screenings for, for women and veteran in the VA. Mm-hmm. Um, I like talk or what you've talked about and like thinking about that, it's like, man, all the, the actual things women do go through that aren't brought up a whole lot. Cause I think the stigma too, or the, most of the associations that veterans are males. Let my dog in. Sorry. <laughs> no problem. But, uh, but yeah, that, that most veterans or service members are males. Mm-hmm. So these, like a lot of these statistics, like you were saying too, they are older. I mean, I think one of them was from like 2012. I was like, man, that's the most recent one. I was like, that's kind of, it's kind of sad. I mean, cause I just think about when I was in, there was a lot of women on my ship, maybe mm-hmm. not, I don't know what the ratio was women to men, but there's still quite a few on there. Um, so it's like, man, I, I, these numbers probably need to be revisited and hopefully someone's out there doing, doing some good work because these homeless rates are going up in women from I've been reading yep. suicide rates, um, all those things. And I, and even just thinking about now, like you were saying, you're, you got out and you having a, you had a, a baby at the same time in that transition, basically that transition process. That's a lot to postpartum. Gosh. You move, yeah. you know. I mean, you you it's just stacked up, right? It's yeah. You got like a trifecta of things going on all at once while still trying to process. Hey, I'm getting out of the military. That's mm-hmm. so the. I mean, to any, every woman veteran out there, that's my tip of the cap because man, I know I couldn't do that. I, I know most men couldn't. Let's be honest. Have shoot, man. I then I couldn't. And there, there was a couple things in, in that research you just talked about. I like to always highlight that that those data points or those those um, statistics. The biggest key word is the ones in the VA healthcare system, right? Yeah. So that's just accounting for the women that actually register. There's a lot of women. I I could I could probably name ten off the top of my head in the last month that I've talked to that are not in the VA healthcare system. One, they don't feel like they'd be believed. They don't feel like they could trust it. They don't have access to it. Um, um, you know, all sorts of reasons why they don't identify as a veteran. Um, I come across that one more than, more than any, um, which always blows my mind, you know? Um, I'm thinking like, like be proud, you know? And it, it was like, oh, I, you know, I just did the reserves and it was four years. and. You know, I just had an admin job or I'm not combat veteran, you know, just any little. So just that alone 
the statistics aren't even right. So it's like, we're not even getting the true numbers because we can't even get us to show up, right? We can't to get there. Um, and I think that's something that I always like to bring to the forefront when people are, are thinking, you know, that was already shocking as it is, but like, think about how it really would be if we really did know, right? All of them. Um, so I think that that's a, that's a big key point to make and to, to make aware to everybody. Yeah, it's it's extremely. I think that's important. Yeah, that's just people registering the VA. Um, a lot of the like when I think of a lot of the statistics, or if you pull from the VA, that's I, I, how I'm thinking about that. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it's. I mean, it's a good source, obviously, but yeah. Yeah, but like I think a lot of what you said is true. Also, a, a, a lot of veterans are like weary about going to the VA. Um, I know I, I am. I've only been one time and it was horrible. So I just I haven't. You can have a whole podcast series about that, I'm sure. But oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. and uh, one of the guys that uh, Adam Nance I've had on a couple of times. He he just was at the VA and he said it was horrible. Also, I was like, man, it's just. I I think that 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 alone too can hurt a veteran because mm -hmm. if it takes a lot of courage to actually go to the VA to like and finally you just say feel like, like, what the hell, like. You know, they told me to reach out for help. And now you you just feel like, I don't even know. Like I could probably talk about that, like so many different experiences. But yeah, you just, you just get frustrated because you're like, this is why we don't go. You know, I, I remember screaming one time on a voicemail because I kept getting hung up on. And oh. I, it's horrible that I said it, but I was so fed up. You know, I was really needing some mental health help. And I was like, this is why we're fucking killing ourselves. And I like hung up the phone. I, I just had lost my shit at that point. <laughs> I'm over here cussing, you know, but I figured that was okay. I was a veteran podcast, but you know, yeah, it, that's, it, that's the kind of level you get though. Right. You're just like, God, this is why I can't deal with this shit. It's like a full-time job to even just go and get help and, and, and navigate the system and all the damn red tape. And it's like, I mean, this, if I wasn't suicidal before calling you, I definitely am now, you know, <laughs> like exactly. And then, and then the ones that do get help, it seems like a lot of them just get prescribed something and kicked to the curb. And then that's why you see these, see them on the streets. And like, uh, I don't know, one of the things I always think of, like, or it crosses my mind when I see them, like you get off a freeway in California, you see them, like a, they're holding their, you know, their sign saying a service vet or a combat veteran need help. I mean, there's some times where I'm like, I'm not sure if you were, but if you, even if you are, even if you are, I mean, Does regardless. Need to help? Yeah. Yeah. That how sad is that, that you probably, did you probably at one point try to do something and then nothing materialized because you are told to go to go to the va the va is going to be be there to help you even though all their commercials their ads are like oh come to the va we'll help you navigate this we'll help you get resources uh job career postings and all this stuff and you don't get that help so now like you said you get frustrated you get more pissed off because the one source the one place where you thought you could actually have help kind of just kicks you to the curb and uh i think that's that's where a lot of it might not a lot of it that's gonna be i'm not gonna say that. i don't want to do it to the va but <laughs> i'm sure some of it stems from that as well that mm -hmm. that initial experience that encounter we're going with the va yeah being dismissed feeling yeah like betrayed you're just like what the hell they're the the feelings that come up for me when and I talked about the VA, but I think even in your veteran like path, right? Like a, your, your veteran life story, if you will, 
you get like up and downs, right? You're like, oh, the VA is doing good now. And then it's like, it's like a love, hate, like bad marriage, right? You're just like, God, like I can't leave. Uh, and part of that is like, I'm like, God, I'm so freaking frustrated. I don't want to deal with this shit. But then you're like, but if I leave, then they win. You know, it's like, that's how they get us. <laughs> Man, like you get so frustrated at yourself. So that, that's me like on the daily. Um, but, uh, you know, and I know we're right out of time here, but like a couple of wanted to say there were like for for women veterans specifically um a lot when i looked up transportation just access to healthcare, which again the more rural rural you'll get the harder it is for us to get access to health care i mean just now i sat on a, a round table at the the uh, va hospital in san antonio right military city and 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 there the whole point of having this meeting was should we bring a women's health clinic to San Antonio. I'm sorry, it's 2022. How many women have served? Why are we just now having this discussion? You know, so just that alone and, and even transportation, there's a there's a lot of, and I'm not going to knock them because they do great work, ride for vets, things like that. But when you have a woman that has small children, you know, and I'm not saying every woman veteran obviously is not a mother and, and that's what they choose and that's great. But that do, you know, and you're trying to look for a ride, you're trying to go to an appointment. That's that's half the battle. I mean, you being a parent, you know that it's like you got to schedule off of work. You got to, mm-hmm. you know, you got to move things around. You know, imagine a single mom or even one that isn't single and you, you got to take your kids with you. Maybe you have an infant. You know, what does that look like? Uh, th- there's no I've yet to find one in Texas of all states. Right. For veterans that will let you ride with your kids. And then when you get there, what do you do with them? Is there a place that, you know, a, a little kids room where I can set them? You know, um, I want to talk about my trauma, right? Not appropriate around my kids, right? I don't want to bring them into that conversation. Yeah. Uh, you know, well, what do you do? You know, and, and those are the things that I feel like the VA and a lot of people don't want to address. And but that those are real world issues. Those are the obstacles that are keeping them from going to anything you're even offering. And they just say, oh, we're offering it. Nobody's using it. Well, let's talk about why they're not using it. Let's bring them yeah. out. Let's ask them, you know. And that's what it needs to get to to get better to me. Exactly. I think that's 100% right. I mean, if they're, if, okay, so they have resources, but they don't promote it. So how does anybody know that they're there? And I going, like, even thinking about what you're saying with um, having a women's clinic, well, if, like these statistics I, I brought up earlier, if they're out of date, basically, because they're 10 years old, they're five years old, three years old. So where's the data to show that, hey, we actually do need to do this because, you know, it's, it's a, a real issue. If all these, all this information's old or not up to date, I, I think the urgency doesn't show up, but at the same time, they're, how are you going to have actually not behind your words? Why, why is that not enough to have those yeah. things? You know what I mean? And that's what gets me fired up and like ex- excited whenever I can talk to someone that is like, okay, you're the decision maker. We're telling you, you know, we're bringing the facts, we're bringing case, you know, we're printing out documents of us, you know, talking to mental health professionals and the way we're treated and not believed, you know, bringing from the VA chat line, you know, right. It's like recorded and, and it's still like, oh, okay, we'll bring that concern up. It's like, you know, this is why we're not showing up because we're not going to waste our time. We're going to go and we're going to form organizations. We're going to go to change legislation. Like if you're not going to do it for us or help us, we're going to do it. You know? And I think, I think that says a lot about veterans and, and why, there's this whole movement, if you will, of especially in you know millennial veterans, if you will, 
um, trying to do all this, right? Because there's space for us all. There's room for us all. There's plenty of damn work for us all to do yeah. split up and, and help each other. Um, so, you know, just advertising alone on that, that round table, there was only 10 women that showed up. 10. Not one time did I see, you know, a Facebook post, Instagram, LinkedIn, you know, any of the social media platforms. I I didn't get a postcard about it. Right. I get 10 appointment reminders telling me I either missed my appointment or, you know, all that. But you can't you can't send send out a you know, and you can't tell me you don't know which ones are women veterans. Right. Because they're in your system. Um, So, you know, that alone and every woman in there, you know, one of the last questions was, do uh, would you recommend VA health veteran? Not one person in there said yes. Not one woman in there said yes. Um, and that right there speaks volumes. That should be yeah. alarming if you're in the VA and you see that. That should trigger like a response like, oh, shit. Like we're mm-hmm. failing miserably mm-hmm. at what we're saying we're good at. That, I think that's the hard part, too. They say they're doing all these good things. and But Show they're, me. yeah. <laughs> yeah, put your money where your mouth is. You know what I mean? It's like, let be transparent about it. Like you, you effed up, right? I mean but let's, what are we doing about it? And, but you know, that's a whole political thing too, but uh, you know, what, there was a couple women in there. I want to say that also worked for the VA there. And and I was sharing my own story about my mental health struggles and going to the the emergency clinic um, because I'm diagnosed as bipolar. And that was a whole nother, you know, discussion we could have, but um, you know, Lori and telling her, you know, how it did. And she said, doesn't surprise me at all. I hear it all the time. She works at the VA. She said, I tell, People that come in there, I tell other women that have mental health issues, do not go to this clinic. She refers them out. I'd say that's eye-opening in itself right there. That's sad. Mm-hmm. But like at the same time, like you said, that's why we're seeing this movement. Like I'm surprised how many veterans I've talked to that have their own like um, outreaches, their own programs, all this stuff. Like almost every single person I've talked to is doing something of their own to like shed light, build a community. Mm-hmm. get resources, re- like doing all these reach outs for other veterans and communities just to, to like show that, hey, you're not alone. You know, if you come talk to us, we can help you, you whatever it is. And it, it's alarming that's happening because I think it's sad that it's got to that point where veterans have had to do that. But at the same time, I'm, I'm like proud of all of our fellow vets and yourself included, you know, that are doing these things because we are proud people, a proud community. So like when we get pissed, it's like, all right, we take action. Like we're, it's nice to see so many veterans saying, saying that or doing that, not necessarily even saying it, but you can tell that. Veterans are getting, yeah. They're getting <laughs> frustrated. They're getting frustrated with the fact that they just get doors shut in their face, phones hung up on them. So they're like, no, what? We're going to open our own doors. It's, it's one of those things I think like you're talking about, we join, how excited you are, how proud you are to do it it when you reflect back how proud you are that you serve so i think all that's kind of materializing into manifesting itself into these groups and these veterans are taking taking initiative you know they're just being pissed off and like hey you know what we've been really capable people for a very long time so let's do it let's yeah um remember who you are and and the strength in numbers and reminding each other like of all the shit you've been through and like, you're still here, right? You're still living every day, no matter how you feel. And there's, there's some bad days in there. I'll be the first to say, but, and, and I, 
I do want to highlight too, is like something I've learned in the last year of, of kind of coming to this veteran transitions, if you will, you know, coming from resentment and being upset. And then now it's like, okay, let's look at it. This different perspective is <laughs> like all our events are open to women, uh, gold star moms, women who haven't served women who have served. And um, a part of that is, I, I wanted to bridge the gap. I remember being like trying to go to mom groups and like feeling awkward and know what to talk about. You know, I was like, like, I'm not the stay at home mom type. And, and that's not too, I can't be a stay at home. First one to say there, I have much like respect because <laughs> the, the six months I was a stay at home mom, I was like, I don't know if I'm going to make it. <laughs> I started to relate yeah. to some documentaries and it was like dark. <laughs> was, like, oh my gosh, like how do people do this? Um, and so it, it, that was the to bridge the gap. It's like let's talk about all the ways we're similar, right? Like there, there's so many things about that are so similar. Every every time we have an event, people just share. And women want even any civilian. They want to learn. They I think naturally, like people want to help. They just don't know how to have those difficult conversations. They don't they, they don't want to say the wrong thing, right? It, I mean, it's it's like that with any kind of difficult conversation you have. You you don't want to offend. You know, you you're just trying to learn. Um, and so. The more and more I interact with women who haven't served, the more and more I find that it, we do, we, we are very much alike. A lot of a lot of the things we have issues with, you know, in the military or challenges with um, intersect with, you know, just obviously gender um, alone. Right. Mm -hmm. um, society. I mean, like a lot of the stuff that you have in the military is the same shit you deal with when you're a woman. They're not, you know, when you're out of the military, it's, it's the same crap, you know. So. Um, I think it, I think it's important for veterans to understand that like we we can't move forward and and change and and do all this good work um, you know or without taking that holistic approach and bringing them in right and inviting them and and you know yeah we poke fun and we're like oh dang civilians like I said again but like we we have to bring them in right like we can't we can't bitch and moan and say like they don't understand they don't care they don't do this but we are all what like what are we doing you know like we we're part of that problem right too so I, I think it's important to also highlight that too yeah that, that's that's what i noticed when i did the the charity walk um there's like a retired i want to say he was like a lieutenant commander or something he was an officer in the navy that was there and it was very inclusive um like he they you know did some ceremonies and then he was talking and he was talking about veteran suicide and how he got to that point as well but then um he said this is for he's like we should shed light on somewhere like that on families that have just gone through suicide, you know, regardless of if they're veteran or not. And it's true because like you were saying, there is some similarities or at least things that can happen. I think, mm -hmm. especially when it comes to work, like you see, I've seen it when I go to work and then you see the person that just, they're waking up, they're clocking in, they're going home. They're probably drinking their, their arse off, you know, and, mm -hmm. and they go back the next day and it's just, they get stuck in that vicious cycle also it's like no purpose they're just just like another cog in the wheel you know and it's just yeah. um so it is i think that's what's been one of the cool things also that i've noticed with veterans um yeah the inclusivity of everything and that just being strictly veterans like i've seen some folks reach out saying even for first responders because that's another area that i'm sure nobody for I don't sure. think there's any data on that. I, I probably have to really dig to find some data on what first responders go to. For sure. It always interests me because there, you know, there's such a high rate of um, veterans that are, you know, firefighter first responders when they transition out. And I'm thinking, 
how they do that. You know, like I can't imagine like dealing with my trauma and shit that I'm like barely dealing with, like however many years later, but you're working in such a like high stakes, like intense environment. And like, how are you doing that with all the other like stuff you just brought in when you started that career? Like it it blows my mind all the time. Um, And I think like trauma, like my therapist, you know, I'll get all like that, but it's not a competition, right? Like something that's traumatic to me may not be traumatic to somebody else, but that's because of their life experiences, right? That's part of their circumstances. It, It may be, you know, because of the color of their skin, it may be economic hardships, you know, it, I think like there's so much like, you know, you mentioned PTSD. It's the same thing. You mentioned a veteran. It's like, oh, old white Vietnam male vet, right? PTSD, you're thinking, yeah. oh, someone that's shell-shocked. He, he doesn't like fireworks, you know, but it, that that's not really like the true face of it, right? Like when somebody thinks of a, 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 bipolar, a woman with bipolar, like me, non, you know, non-combat related PTSD, they, they don't think of me, you know? Um, so, so I think having that conversation and realizing like, like you said, we all come in different forms, like uh, veterans from yeah. all walks of life, right? Well, um, that's the way it's glamorized too. I mean, yeah, you like a uh, man when I watch like any war movie and they come home and it's always the same type of person. I mean, I feel bad because if that is somebody that goes through that, I'm sorry, but <laughs> you know, what I mean, it's always the same, yeah. same looking person, the same person, or it's like the same exact story, and it is always an extreme PTSD. There's um, it's always has to be because they saw combat or they saw somebody get hurt or they got mm-hmm. hurt, whatever it is. And, and people won't seek help because of that. Yeah. They and, then, <laughs> and then thinking about like you were saying the the people we've ran into that say like, Oh, I just did reserves and, and stuff. And that's, that's bad. That's a bad mindset to have also, because it's like, if you're going through something and if you weren't on combat, you're still, you still, you, you signed yeah. your name. You still my brother it. or sister, right? Yeah. yeah. You still did it. Like you're the, was it like 0.1% or 1% oh, of the yeah. population or whatever it is. You, you, you even created a will. You signed a will at whatever age you were when you joined. That many people do that. And like you took the oath, you did all this stuff. So it's nothing to be ashamed about. Um, like you said, PTSD and traumas come in different forms, different, different things can spark those, those, uh, issues. So yeah, I don't think people, uh, hopefully people are starting to get out of that. It seems like a lot of people are from what I've talked to so far yeah. on the, on these podcasts. It's for sure. Yeah, and I think be- that's part of our responsibility too, as, as veterans that, you know, maybe combat veteran, cause I'm, you know, combat veteran, but even saying that, like, I just got to the place where I was like, I can say I'm a combat veteran, like putting on my website. That was hard for me. Cause when I think of a combat veteran, I'm thinking like, oh, outside the wire and they're like shooting. But, you know, I, I served in a combat zone and that's literally the definition. So why not be <laughs> proud of it? Right. And it's like I, if I'm talking about stuff like that, I got to be about that. Right. So it's like mm-hmm. I got to like overcome that myself is hard, uh, hard in itself. But, you know, anyway, but you know, that's my stance on it <laughs> for what is worth. <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I just want to close the saying like thank you for having the conversations with women veterans. Thank you for giving us a platform to speak. Um, you're doing great work. I can't wait to, to listen more. It's my favorite, favorite kinds of podcasts to listen to are, are military veterans. Um, I want to say that I'd like to leave every veteran with, you know, advocate for yourself, do the research and of course never give up. Um, and, and, you know, willingness to, to, to ask for help is, is a big step. 
you know, and it's nothing to be ashamed about. So thank you again. Um, and I look forward to collaborating and speaking with you more as the years go by. So thanks, Travis. No problem. Yeah, I want to throw your your website on here real quick. So so anybody that's watching the podcast on YouTube, here's the, the URL the for the website. <laughs> I can't remember what you call it. I was like, what's it called? A URL. Yeah, the yeah. URL for the website. <laughs> Showing our age now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I, I wanted to say I'm on Instagram too at, at Vets Like Her and uh, Facebook as well. Um, so just reach out to us. There's a contact us form. It, it goes straight to a, a WhatsApp text message. It goes straight to our my phone and my directors. So you're speaking to a real life person. Uh, my phone number that's out there is my personal phone number. I, I believe in not going into that 800 black hole. So you know, give me a shout out, talk, love to talk to each and every one of you. And I wanted to give, uh, I'm going to be giving you some resources of some women veteran organizations across the nation that I would love for you to share, uh, just to enlighten your viewers and things that, that we're out there. We exist yeah. um, and we can provide help and, and community. And uh, I'll give one last shameless plug to uh, after military service, Camp Shield, uh, Maggie Patterson and her team or Maggie Peterson and her team. Um, out of Houston, Texas, are doing uh, wonderful and amazing work. First women veterans retreat and only women veterans retreat thus far that I've I've attended. Um, and I continue to tell her thank you. Uh, thank you to her wonderful team. Um, they're the ones that got me in a headspace and in the mindset to be able to go after this dream of mine for my own organization and, and truly have just supported me from day one. So I want to make sure in every podcast I'm on, I give a huge shout out. Uh, you know, check them out on Amazon Smile. Give them a great work. Thanks, Travis. Thank you. You have a, the rest of your day.